Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part two of his series, Tools of Prayer for America. Praise the Lord. Tools of prayer for America. And we're going to talk about binding and loosening again. Amen. Last week, I shared a dream I had on the 6th of July, 2018, in which the Lord instructed me to issue tools of prayer and a call to prayer for America. If you want to hear the whole dream, I highly recommend you take advantage of our podcast and go listen to the whole thing. Anyway, after I woke up from that dream, I asked the Lord why I felt such an urgency in my spirit to pray for the nation. And this is what he said to me. Jesus is the light of the world, but America is the conveyor of that light to the nations. Therefore, pray for America. As America goes, so goes the world. This is what Jesus said to me. So I got the impression when I heard those words, and I didn't hear them audibly. I heard them audibly on the inside. I got the impression that the gospel light to the nations was in danger of being extinguished. And little did I know at the time the darkness that was looming in the not-too-distant future. Well, that was two years ago, and now I feel the Lord leading me once again to issue a call to prayer for America And to teach again on the tools of prayer that we can use to intercede on her behalf. As many of you are aware, there are a host of isms that are staking claim against our nation. We mention them in prayer. Socialism, communism, racism, anarchism, atheism, humanism, hedonism, satanism. And all of them are intended by the enemy to bring this nation to its knees. So that America, the America we once knew, will be unrecognizable. So needless to say, we need to pray for America. So in order to push back that darkness, we need to pray that righteousness, truth, justice, life, and liberty prevail in our nation. Not just prevail, but reign in our nation. In every sphere of influence, in every city, in every state, in every election, whether it's local, state, or national. This is especially true of the congressional and presidential elections coming up this November. And it really doesn't matter what political affiliation you may have or what political party you belong to. If you're a Christian, hear me out. If you're a Christian... Your first obligation is to vote for righteousness, to vote the Bible, to vote for truth and justice to reign in the nation. It's not about Republican. It's not about Democrat. It's not about liberal or conservative. It's about righteousness. And if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and vote for righteousness, truth, justice, life and liberty... You really can't go wrong. Vote for people who uphold and defend the Constitution. Vote for people who uphold and defend Christian values in their public policies 
and proposals and laws that they want to enact. All right, so here are some of the tools that the Lord showed me that were already in our toolbox that we needed to use to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. Number one, binding and loosing. Matthew 16, 19. Number two, prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, 19. Number three, the name of Jesus. Acts 16, 18. Number four, the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19. Fasting and prayer. Matthew 17, 21. Spirit-led prayer. Ephesians 6, 18. Remember, you can use these tools to pray for yourselves, your families, your loved ones, and your fellow saints. But the major focus of this series is going to be how we can use them to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. Last week, we laid a foundation that spelled out the authority we have when it comes to the prayer of binding and loosing. And as I wrapped up the session, I shared the testimony of how the Lord used me and the prayer of binding and loosing, also spirit-led prayer, to stop an attempted firebombing of the offices of one of our U.S. congressmen in Missouri. It's an awesome testimony, and I don't have time to share it again. So again, I urge that you go back to our podcast, last week's message, and listen to the whole thing. I promise you'll be blessed. This week... I want to build on the foundation that we laid last week because I want everyone to be as knowledgeable and as confident as possible when it comes to the prayer of binding and loosing. So let's begin with Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19. I'll be reading in the English Standard Version. Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is Jesus speaking to Peter about the rock of revelation that he had, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, on that rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There is a lot of people out there that do not believe that we have the authority to bind and loose even though I just read you the words of Jesus himself who said that we do. What it is is it's too heady for them. It's too high-minded for them to think that we have authority such that if we bind something here on the earth, heaven says, we'll back you. If you lose something here on earth, we'll back you. Amen. That's just too out there for them to realize. But I'm going to build a case in the scriptures so that you'll know it is a fact. Not just because you heard the words of Jesus, because it's laced throughout the word of God. So I want to talk about some of the key words in Matthew 16, 18, and 19. The words keys, bind, and loose. To give you an idea of what he's talking about in this passage. Keys comes from a Greek word that means the keeper of the key or the keys has the power to open or shut. 
And this word is used throughout the Bible to denote power and or authority. The word bind. It's a Greek word that means to bind, to tie, to fasten, to fasten with chains, to throw in chains, to put under obligation, to forbid, prohibit, to declare, to be illicit or illegal. The word loose comes from a Greek word which means to loosen anything that is bound or fastened in any way. To release from obligation. The exact opposite of binding. Now I want to share two examples from the Bible. One physical and one spiritual where the same Greek words found in verse 19 are used concerning binding and loosing. And I want you to allow these passages to paint a picture in your mind of what binding and loosing are all about. John chapter 11, 43 and 44. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44. This is talking about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Amen. Now, beyond the supernatural raising of somebody from the dead, I want you to see something here. Lazarus, after he was raised from the dead, was still bound physically with grave clothes, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Same Greek words that you find in Matthew 16, 18, and 19. Amen. Another really good example is found in Luke chapter 13, verse 11 through 13. New King James Version. We'll also be reading on down to verse 16 as we go through here. Verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Amen. That just has a nice ring to it. You know, when I was touching up my notes last night, I looked it up in a couple other translations, and I found one that just didn't cut the mustard. It said, woman, you are freed from your disability. I thought, that just doesn't have the same ring to it as you are loosed. Amen? So, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Amen. The woman was spiritually bound with a spirit of infirmity, evidently causing severe arthritis so that she couldn't even, she couldn't even raise herself up. She was bowed over for 18 years. So she was spiritually bound with a spirit of infirmity, but was loosed. From that infirmity by Jesus himself. Amen. So here's a case of somebody that's bound spiritually and then loosed spiritually by someone who had the authority to bind and loose. 
It reminds me of a testimony of when I prayed for a deaf woman long time ago back in Louisiana. And as I prayed for her, the Lord revealed to me that she had a spirit of infirmity in her left ear, which was causing her deafness. Now, she was 27 years old and told me that she had not heard out of that ear since she was a little girl, since she was a toddler. So over 25 years, over 24, 25 years, she was deaf in that ear. And the Lord told me she has a spirit of infirmity. And if you do not deal with the spirit, she will not be healed. So I had to be obedient. After arguing with the Lord for a few minutes internally. I put my finger in her left ear. And I said, come out, you foul spirit of deafness in the name of Jesus. And her ear popped open immediately. And she heard for the first time in almost 25 years. See, in this case, she was bound with a spirit of deafness, but someone came along that knew what it meant to bind and loose and loosed her of that infirmity. And she heard, like I said, for the first time in almost 25 years. Amen. So what does that point out? That points out the fact that you don't have to use the word binding and loosing to participate in binding and loosing. Sometimes you may be doing that and you don't realize that you're binding and loosing. Everybody understand what I say by that? Maybe if I knew what I know now, I would, I would have gone back and, and I would have said, I bind the spirit of deafness and I loose this infirmity from her in Jesus' name. I don't know. I don't think God is keeping record of that. He just realizes that you have that authority, and if you'll use it, heaven will back you. Amen. Matthew 16, 19. Let's revisit it in the Amplified Classic Version. It brings out some really, really interesting things. Matthew 16, 19. Jesus, again, speaking to Peter of the future time after he paid the price that keys would be given to the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. Now, I love this version because it points out the fact that certain things are lawful and unlawful in the spirit realm. All we're doing when we pray the prayer of binding and loosing is enforcing over the devil and his band of outlaws what has already been lawfully or legally purchased for us. Do you see that? There are things that legally belong to us and the enemy has no right to keep them from us. Hear me out, saints. Sometimes we have to take them by force. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen? 
This is an example of what we're talking about here. Sometimes you got to wage warfare in the heavenlies and you got to reach out and take what belongs to you. Matthew 11, verse 12 in the Amplified Classic makes it even more clear. Listen to this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault and violent men and women seize it by force as a precious prize. Amen. Amen. Stay with me as we go to 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12. I'll be reading in the New King James Version to sort of round out this whole thought process of legally taking in the Spirit what belongs to you. Paul says to his protege Timothy, fight the good fight of faith Lay hold on eternal life. That's really the part I want you to focus on. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Sometimes you got to fight a fight of faith to lay hold of what belongs to you. And you do not need to be afraid to enter that fray because you've been given all authority and all power to take back what belongs to you. In fact, Jesus already took it back. You just have to enforce what Jesus already did. There may be things that come easy in your Christian walk. But there are some things you're going to have to fight to lay hold of. Many times, this is where binding and loosing come into play. Amen? Am I losing anybody? We're fairly basic this morning. We're about to get a little deeper. You know, we talked about this last week, but I really wanted to dig a little deeper this week. The origins of the keys of the kingdom. If you're having trouble realizing that you have this kind of authority, I want to show it to you in the word such that you cannot deny. You have to acknowledge this power, this authority belongs to you. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 20 through 22. Isaiah 22, 20 through 22. I'll be reading in the English Standard Version. Now stay with me. I'm going to read this whole passage here. It's three verses. And then I'm going to explain it. In that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. And I will clothe him with your robe and will bind your sash on him and will commit your authority to his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. Now, if you read the whole passage, you find out that Isaiah is prophesying to a self-serving and a corrupt man named Shebna. That he would be replaced by a more godly man by the name of Elikim, to serve as the courtier, kind of like a prime minister, of the kingdom of Judah under King Hezekiah. As the new courtier, Elikim was given authority over all the kingdom of Judah and over all the house of King Hezekiah. So if you consider Hezekiah to be a type of the father, 
then Eliakim is a type of the coming Redeemer, Jesus Christ, to whom the Father would one day give all authority over heaven and earth, all authority over his kingdom. So I want you to compare Isaiah 22:22 with Revelation 3:7, and I believe you can see why this has to be the case. Isaiah 22:22, we'll read it again in the English Standard Version. Listen carefully to the words here. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. This is talking about Hilkiah, the type of the coming Redeemer. Then we go to Revelation 3.7. Revelation 3.7. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Listen to this. This is Jesus dictating a letter to the Apostle John. So this is Jesus speaking. Verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. The similarities and the verbiage are striking. It's almost verbatim of what you find in Isaiah 22.22. So follow me here. In Isaiah 22.22, you have Eliakim, a type of the coming Redeemer, holding the key of David. And in Revelation 3.7, you have the fulfillment of the type, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, holding the key of David. Everybody see that? Something else I want you to notice. Notice in Isaiah 22.22 that the key of David, the symbol of governmental authority, is laid upon the shoulder of Eliakim, the one who was given authority over the kingdom of Judah. Now, the Hebrew word there for shoulder means the place around the neck where burdens are born. So you could say that the burden of government or the responsibility of government was laid upon the shoulder of Eliakim in Isaiah's prophecy. With that in mind, I want you to listen to what Isaiah says about the coming Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. King James Version. Listen carefully. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So in this passage, Isaiah prophesies that the burden of government or the responsibility of government would one day be placed upon the shoulder of the coming Messiah, the coming Redeemer, Jesus Christ. But let's dig a little deeper. When Jesus bore His own cross on His march to Calvary, He bore that cross upon His shoulder. The burden of the cross was placed upon the shoulder of Jesus to pay the price for the redemption of all mankind. Listen to me. And because he paid the price, now all government authority rests upon the shoulder of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
Here's the good part. Here's the part people trip up on. Because we are joint heirs of Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 17, that same governmental authority has been delegated to us. If you remember, this is also stated in Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus told Peter, a representative of the future body of Christ, that he would be given the keys of the kingdom and the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Because we have the keys, we have the authority that can unlock the gates of hell and set the captives free. Now, I don't mean by that that we can reach into hell and pull the people out that are already there. Once you're in hell, there's no getting out. I'm talking about gates here on the earth where people are held captive and they're bound for hell. We can open those gates and we can take those people out before it's too late. Because we have the keys, we have the authority, we can unlock and save those that are bound by Satan. Because we have the keys, we can use our authority to bind the attacks of the enemy and loose angels to wage warfare on behalf of our nation, amen. On behalf of America. I want to show you that in the scripture. Some people, again, they... They get nervous when you start loosing angels. But Hebrews 1.14, King James Version, I believe will begin to shed some light on why we can do that. Hebrews 1.14, King James Version. The writer of the Hebrews is talking about angels. And he says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? That's you and me. That's you and me. So according to the way I read it, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us as heirs of salvation? For us. I believe that we can send them out on missions as long as what we say and what we declare lines up with the Word of God. Psalm 103, verse 20. English Standard Version. To complete this thought here. Psalm 103 verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Amen. First of all, I want to point out to you that the writer of the Psalms gives these angels an assignment. Bless the Lord, O you His angels. Don't you know they responded by blessing the Lord? You mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. May I suggest that one of the best ways you can loose angels is by repeating what God has said about the situation. In other words, speaking the word of God. Jesus came to set the captives free. Angels, go forth and set captives free in Jesus' name. They're going to obey the voice of the Word of God, I believe, as long as it's spoken by someone as authorized to speak the Word of God. If you're born again, spirit-filled, blood-washed, you are authorized to speak the Word of God. And when you do, the Bible says, you launch angels to go do the bidding of God, whether you realize it or not.
Let me leave you this morning with an example of how we can use the prayer of binding and loosing to pray for America. I want to read one more scripture before we do. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. I want you to notice that the word all means all. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. This is Jesus speaking. Serpents and scorpions are types of demonic principalities. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'll read it again for continuity's sake. Behold, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The words all and nothing are important. You have all authority and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. We need that revelation. We need that revelation here in the body of Christ. We need to act like the kings and priests that God has called us to be. Amen. It's time to quit mamby-pambying around. we got to get in the fight, fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold of the things that belong to us. I am not willing to let this nation slip into darkness. Not on my watch. Not going to happen. All right, here's my prayer. Just listen and learn. And if you want to pray it, Get the podcast out and write it down and pray it. All right. According to Luke 10, 19 and Matthew 16, 19, we take authority over all the power of the enemy and we bind any spirits trying to undermine the righteousness of America through lies, half-truths, distortions, and misinformation through the media, through our education system, through the sports and entertainment industry, through our business and technology centers, and through our churches. We cancel all destructive assignments against our government, our infrastructure, our institutions, our leaders, against our people, whether spiritual or physical, in Jesus' name. Furthermore, according to Hebrews 1.14 and Psalm 103.20, we loose the angels of God to go forth and wage warfare against the darkness against the enemy's plans for America, in Jesus' name, amen. So, stay tuned next week as we continue our series on tools of prayer for America. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of Dr. Forrest's message, Tools of Prayer for America. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us, and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. 
Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.